Welcome back to You're Always Fine, a space to show up for yourself and embrace the mess that lives underneath because let's be real, it's exhausting always being fine. So grab your headphones and allow yourself to listen, laugh, and even cry because you are not alone and we aren't always fine. And that's okay. Hi, Christine. Today, we have a special episode for you guys. We are going to dive into the America Ferrera monologue from Barbie, the movie that has quite literally taken over. There is so much to talk about, Lauren, and I'm excited. Absolutely. Let's let's get into it. Okay. So for context, for anyone who may not have seen it, the Barbie movie was released earlier this month, and the response to the movie has varied. The LA Times wrote a powerful piece, and I thought they did a great job of summing up the movie. Lauren, can you read that quote? For sure. Quote, the film's reception has focused on its messages of women's empowerment, but what makes it a radical story is that it also invites women to reimagine feminism so that it doesn't ignore male struggles. End quote. Additionally, I will say Greta, who directed and starred in the movie Barbie, really wanted to send the message that like you are enough. And for me personally, the most powerful part of the movie was when America Ferrera's character responded to Barbie essentially not feeling like she was good enough, like at anything. I'm going to play the monologue so we can really jump into this. That you don't think you're good enough. Like we have to always be extraordinary. But somehow we're always doing it wrong. <laughs> like you have to be thin, but not too thin. And you can never say you want to be thin. You have to say you want to be healthy, but also you have to be thin. You have to have money, but you can't ask for money because that's crass. You have to be a boss, but you can't be mean. You have to lead, but you can't squash other people's ideas. You're supposed to love being a mother, but don't talk about your kids all the damn time. You have to be a career woman, but also always be looking out for other people. You have to answer for men's bad behavior, which is insane. But if you point that out, you're accused of complaining. You're supposed to stay pretty for men, but not so pretty that you tempt them too much or that you threaten other women because you're supposed to be a part of the sisterhood. But always stand out and always be grateful. But never forget that the system is rigged. So find a way to acknowledge that, but also always be grateful. You have to never get old, never be rude, never show off, never be selfish, never fall down, never fail, never show fear, never get out of line. It's too hard. It's too contradictory. And nobody gives you a medal or says, thank you. And it turns out, in fact, that not only are you doing everything wrong, but also everything is your fault. I'm just so tired of watching myself and every single other woman tie herself into knots so that people will like us. And if all of that- In this monologue, she really encapsulates society's paradoxical demands on women and men. The emotional toll these expectations take is a huge part of the mental warfare you and I often talk about, Lauren. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, I know for me, this slapped, (laughs) I felt very, very seen while watching the scene. And it really spoke to the struggle between living your most authentic self and relentlessly pursuing image you have or trying to fit in. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I, I definitely had those thoughts 
as well. My heart was pounding like through my chest when she was like saying all these things because it felt like it was going directly to me. And I'm sure I'm not the only person that felt that way. Overall for me, I kind of took a different approach. I'm just tired of feeling responsible for others' feelings. Mm. I'm not talking about not being considerate and thoughtful of others. Rather, it's the paralyzing algorithms that come up in various interactions with the people in our lives. Themes like, and questions like that we ask ourselves, like, will they like me if I do say or wear this? Will this finally garner approval from my family, colleagues, or friends? Mm. Or I have something to say or share, but I don't want to hurt feelings or come across as a bitch. It's exhausting. I will say, can we, I want to rewind this track a little bit for for a second, because you said something and it really, really like, as I've been like trying to make the word slap work, um, as many, many people who interact with me know that anyway, that slapped with me. Um, And that was when you were like, I'm exhausted for him having to do this because right. The first thing you said after that was like a quantifying I'm not saying not be considerate. So like, even when we're trying to say we're exhausted, we're also trying to qualify and be like, I'm not selfish. I'm not that. Right. But like, you're allowed to be exhausted and you're allowed to actually be self-centered or however it is in this moment. But even in this like very like, you know, casual back and forth, like our podcast, you still felt the need, right. To like kind of to use those like clarifying things, which I think kind of speaks to this entire monologue. Uh, Absolutely. And, you know, to further on that whole, like, exhausting feeling for me. I know that I feel like I'm breaking my spirit in the process instead of my own barriers in order to become self-actualized or at least moving towards that because there just exists this constant pull within me to take accountability for others' reactions and responses instead of trying to explore how to find inner peace and what's important to me. I'm needed but I have needs. Who's looking out for me? Who's coming to save me? I'm being real. No one. And I know that's hard to hear, but that savior is me. And so when I hear, I'm paraphrasing poorly, but in the Barbie movie, I am she and Ken is he. My interpretation, summarization, if you will, of some of those points in the movie was exactly this. For people to look within ourselves and ask those hard questions so that we can begin to do the work. I love that. I have a lot of clients, right? They'll come in and they want me to essentially just give them a template of how to get better and how to fix whatever it is. And the reality of it is, is there is no destination of mental health, period. If you keep going into therapy or you keep going in and you keep going thinking like, there's a destination, I'm going to get to quote unquote better. You're doing yourself a disservice. It's every day showing up for yourself, calibrating your values, understanding your internal landscape, the best gift you can give to yourself. It's okay. And your mess is just as beautiful as everything you consider to be one of your strengths. I love that. And you're right. I especially think that what you said is so powerful, that mental health doesn't have a destination. It can't just be this this destination that everybody calls commonly thinks of. If, if you are going to think of it that way, then maybe thinking about what your personal journey needs to look like or what your personal finality is, what the goal is of that. Be right there. I just want to say, yes, we can do that, right? But I want to invite everyone to push themselves a little further here and think about just this very basic example. When you graduate high school, right? You are supposed to go to college, right? 
And then you're supposed to get a job. And then you're supposed to maybe find a partner. And then you're supposed to get married. And each time, right, we're putting happiness or enjoying life, right, right at the other end of once I have money, once I have that, once I do all this, who can honestly say that they've gotten one of those big milestones? It's been everything they ever imagined, right? Because for most people, that's a high level of self-actualization to be able to do that, right? Most people are running to the next thing because when they got to the point that they thought was going to bring them this, this land of happiness, it felt just as empty as they did before, if not more, because it compounds, which is like why I feel like I have been like repeating it over and over is like, stop chasing happy and start chasing peace. Yeah. Yeah. That I definitely resonate with that because I mean, I, I tend to be a bit of a cynic. And so there's that scene where when, like in the beginning of the movie where Barbie is just like dancing and she's like, do you guys ever think about death? And I'm like, Oh girl, yes, I do. Just being able to sometimes counterbalance, like getting so focused on like the destination and it's, it's cheesy. I know, but you know, focusing more about the journey and looking back and going like, wow, like look what I accomplished or like, look at where I still have yet to go, you know? the world is my oyster. And that can be really (laughs) overwhelming. I get it. And sometimes I think because I'm a person that has not done what she's supposed to do. I I mean, yeah, I I went to college, took me six years to get my associate and then another four to get my back. I just love, hold on. We cannot skip over this. You brilliant woman. And you know, I just love the word, right? How long did it take you to even say it out loud? Well, of course, because like, of course, the joke that always gets retorted to me is like, (laughs) And you're not a doctor. And I'm like, hell no, I'm not a doctor. I took my time because circumstances, I had to work. I had to put myself through school. I could only afford to go part-time. And then once I was done with college, I got the degree, but guess what? I didn't do all the supposed that we're supposed to come after that. I want to say one thing about what you just said, because I think it really does matter. And that is... When people say like, oh, you this or that, or like they, what you said, like, yeah, there's a million little reasons why you made the decisions you made. It was definitely not because you were like, I'm going to be like this really great and registered nurse and who has to like keep this secret in our closet about like taking six years to get here. I often just either to myself say this and to my clients, I'm like, stop blaming your yesterday self for what you know today. Because quite yeah. honestly, who the heck would make if they had all the information of what exactly what tomorrow would bring, if they took a certain path, who would not choose the best path for themselves? Like, that's ridiculous. You do the best you can with the information you have based on, right, your understanding of your internal needs, your understanding of the, the situation and, and research. And, you know, also family pressures, societal pressures. There's all these things that make you decide any one thing. And that's why I think, too, just why knowing that internal landscape is so powerful and truly seeking and finding balance and a baseline. So hold on, before we continue any further, like I would really like to spend some time on what internal landscape means. What is, what does that mean, Christine? Okay. So I will be clear. This is like a Christine made up thing. So when I talk about internal landscape, I'm talking about your conscious, your subconscious, your emotions, what is happening and coming up for you in every interaction. It's about your decision-making what weighs on your behaviors? What are your beliefs on your feelings? What is your internal dialogue look like? Because most of ours are terrible. We are so mean to ourselves internally. Like, and you know, it, I think again, some of these buzzwords from mental health, like uh, negative self-talk, right? It can feel so 
in my opinion, quite honestly, like not even close to how bad it is. And because people have like pushed it aside as just another one of those things, how many times do you say, I should have done this? That is bullying yourself, you know? And so all of those things internally and why we do them though. That makes sense, Lauren. It probably does. Yeah. I'm crazy, but no, no, a hundred percent it does. And if we're getting personal, I definitely suffer from imposter syndrome with a lot of facets in my life. I know from a work perspective, like the so you know when when I was a nurse in the hospital, and this isn't to like take away from the experiences of the various departments because there are specialties that have to you have to like know a little bit more, be like a little more acutely aware of like what's going on with somebody's body system, depending on where you're at. And that's, that's the beauty of nursing, right? Is that like overall, yes, you want to just make sure that you're on top of things so that you're keeping people alive. Really, if you think about it, like it's just keeping people alive, but each specialty has its own little quirks. And so when you're in the hospital and I've worked in a, a myriad of different departments, nursing is nursing is nursing is nursing. And, and at the root of it is like, yeah, we, we care. We, we care. We care. But once I stepped outside of a traditional hospital setting or a clinic setting and started transitioning into clinical research or a little more of that, like not so regimented. Well, I shouldn't say that because clinical research is very regimented and it needs to be. Um, but working for different companies, it, it traditional nursing, was- when you stepped outside traditional, traditional what, nursing, what traditional yes. nursing is. Yes, exactly. I was still using, and I still do my nursing skills, but the higher I climbed on that like career ladder, the more I felt unsure of myself and just like, what the hell am I doing here? I don't know what the hell I'm doing. And so in a professional sense, for sure, in relationships, a new relationship, when it gets to be like past the like newness of dating, I get into this, eh, like, what do they see in me? And so whether it was in my example with work or personal relationships, I think that's why when she sits down at towards the end of the movie and, and says that, and it's just like, you can see the exhaustion and feel it through the screen. And that's when it just starts speaking to you that it's so fucking exhausting to try and stay in this balance of, of, you know, equilibrium when it's just, it's so loud outside of our heads. And guess what? Most of the time it's even louder in our heads and it's just like, there's no reprieve. And so it's like, finally this quote that just like summed it up. And I, I think that's why my heart, I literally had a visceral and physical response. Texted both you and busy. And I was like, we are dropping a bonus episode because I do not want to not speak on this because yes. that's how much I felt like it resonates. And like one of those things that opens the conversation and we have to keep talking about it. Even if you don't yes. agree with what we're saying, we have to keep talking about it. We have to be yes. okay with expressing what is happening to us. And, you know, not everyone's going to be a safe person to do that. And that's totally fine. But like, you're still allowed to feel what you feel and explore those feelings. Absolutely. And guess what? You're not the only one that feels these feelings. So many people struggle with their internal demons. Some people can just get through the day, maybe a little easier or they're always fine. Getting to that, you're always fine, really to me means evaluating and reflecting on that internal landscape 
so that it kind of brings us back to center. It brings us back to ourselves. And I think one of the really cool parts about kind of going on this journey and really investing in like, who the hell am I? You you kind of start to get to this space where everything outside of me is really not my deal. You know, like yeah. every I have so much control and so much power if I'm able to, for a fraction of a second, believe that I can change something, I can do this. Then when someone calls you out, when someone makes fun of you, when whatever, it, it's not, it takes away the power because you don't have any blind spots. Also too, I think I, I say this, you know, to people when I'm discussing mental health, because I realize I can sit here and you and I can sit here and have this conversation about internal landscape and self-actualization and, and the journey to get there. Some people aren't ready for that yet though. You know, some people because of circumstances, you know, especially when I think about jobs, you know, some people don't have that luxury of just being like, you know what, this isn't jiving with me. So I'm just going to go leave to the go find myself. But you do you have know? options. I just want to be very clear though. You do have options to create boundaries. You know what? This doesn't jive with me, but this is about them and not me. And so I'm not giving emotional energy going to try to prove myself in an, in a place I can't, you can't prove anything kind of. I, I just, I do recognize because there have been times I know for me where it's like, I've wanted to leave a department because of the toxicity, because of the unsafe conditions and the transfer, the change couldn't happen fast enough. And so I did, I really had to like dig deep on those days that I was still having to trudge into that department or that office. Oh, can you tell the story, Lauren? Which story? The like, one I about your dad to... sitting down with oh you? My gosh. Yeah. <laughs> my dad, he was ever on this podcast. He's had some things to say about Lauren's anxiety. Um, <laughs> And just her need have found that I tend to worry a lot about the things that I cannot control or the people that I cannot control. And as much as I like to think that I have that influence, like my dad at one point, I was just getting so flustered with the situation. And like he just let me keep going. He's like, Are you done? And I was like, Okay, yeah, what? What? Impart Find me some, a solution. Yeah, impart some fatherly wisdom. Insert that anytime you want, Ed. Like, let's go. <laughs> His name is Ed. And so he's like, all right, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you something. I was like, okay, here it goes. He goes, actually, I'm going to draw something. And I was like, okay. And I will never forget, we were sitting down at uh, our dining room table at the time. So he pulls out this piece of paper and a freaking mechanical pencil. I'm like, this nerd, this nerd is about to like, show some math, I'm sure. And he starts drawing of like a Venn diagram. And he was like, okay. he goes, I want you to picture all the things that you think you can control or no, sorry, it wasn't a Venn diagram. It was just a circle. And he goes, I want you to, to, for this situation, I want you to put everything in the circle that, you know, not that you think that, you know, for a doubt, without a doubt that you can control. And he goes, and then everything else, I don't even want you to write it on the paper. I don't even write it, but I want you to put everything that you know. And if I start to see you writing down something that I don't know, you can't control that. He's like, I'm going to erase it. And I'm like, oh gosh. So when it, when I was with what I was left with on the paper, there really wasn't a whole lot in that circle left, but I'll tell you what was in that circle. It was definitely the things that I could control. And do you know what it was centered on? me. It was centered on me and how I reacted, what I thought, you know, about the situation. And so every now and again, when I start to ramp myself up, cause it's so easy to do. Uh, I remember, you know, his hands drawing that circle with that stupid pencil and like 
starting to write, me starting to write everything. And so it really is when you start thinking about it. And I know that is so oversimplified, but really when sometimes the clearest answers really are the most simple. And the most simple answer is a lot of that time, it's it's within, it's within. Absolutely. The reality of it is, is like, you really are always fine because guess Mm -hmm. what? You always have the power to like access those parts of yourself to make sure you're fine. And you have to do that though, through showing up yourself every day and understanding that internal landscape, going through the journey of self-discovery. You have to challenge and question everything that we think we know about ourselves because most of the times there's a lot of external things that are coming down on that um, identity. And so, you know, embrace the vulnerability and allow yourself to authentically pave the way to create the life you want to live. And it's not always going to be pretty. It's not going to be perfect. And your road will not be straight. It's going to zig and zag. It's going to drop off sometimes, but you can pick it right back up when, when you're ready and you have the bandwidth to continue that journey. But keep going. That's the most important part. Absolutely. Where you are today is never going to be where you're going to be tomorrow. So until next time, find your health. Seriously, you're fine. You're fine because you have the power to access your place of peace anytime you need it. However, if you get stuck, we're right at the palm of your hand to help. Check out our show notes for this week's source list, recommended content, and Cabana live group schedule. We'll catch you next week for a brand new episode of You're Always Fine. The team at Cabana has found your reset button. The answer, Cabana Pods, acoustic soundproof booths with immersive micro vacations proven to boost your mood in just five minutes. To learn more about Cabana Pods, visit www.evenhealth.com slash pods.